copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Tom White 
was sentenced to San Quentin to serve a maximum term of 10 years for grand theft. He proved to be such an incorrigible prisoner, getting into fights and fomenting trouble among fellow convicts, that he was sent to Folsom. In spite of his incarceration in that haven of the two-time loser, he was paroled in April 1933. At a nightclub, he meets Burma Adams, a young blonde who worked in a beauty shop. And then, on the night of August 16th, You see, baby, the first thing you need in this racket is a car. Yeah, but he ain't got one, Pa. Sure, I know that. They might have to stick up people in the street. Oh, that's small-time stuff. We're going to operate in a big way. Yeah, but we're going to get a car. Uh, right here. What do you mean? You see that car stopping there? Yeah. Well, that's practically ours right now. Can I take it from him? Sure. Gee, you're a hard guy, Pa. Sure I am, baby. How about you? You're scared? Me scared? No. I get a kick out of this. Uh, that's the way I like to see him. Come on, babe. <laughs> All right, I won't forget. Good night, Leslie, and thanks for a marvelous evening. Good night, Mary. I'll see you Tuesday. Pick him up. Oh. What do you mean? Pick him up and give me your dough. I haven't very much on me. Oh. All right, give me all you got. And you too. Oh. Oh, but, but I tell you, I have no uh, opinion. Shut up and get out of the car, the two of you. Now get in, babe, and start her up. You'll get your car back sooner or later. And if you know what's good for you, you'll not walk to the bulls too soon. You see, babe, that's all there is to it. He comes. You're a smart guy. Here. Let's turn up this street. Hmm. Pretty swell dumps along here. Ought to be some dough in some of them. Can I pick up an apartment? Oh, I don't know yet. No. We're transferring right here. Park right behind that car. The one that just pulled up in front of that apartment house. Well, what are you going to do now? Well, we'll take that one. This heap will be hot by now. You can bet that mug is already reported to the bulls as a stolen car. Big down. This is a holdup. What? Just yeah, keep your mouth shut, mister, and hand over your doll. <laughs> I don't think she knows how to start the car, unless I told her. All right, then. Hand over your money. 
Don't you think this joke is on fire? Uh, this ain't no joke. Now, give me your watch. Yeah, but you... You don't have to rip it off my wrist. Well, all right, if you don't want me to rip your coat off, hand me your pocketbook. Yeah, there you are. Is that all you've got? Yes. Well, it ain't enough. Okay, babe. Turn up here to the right and step on it. What was that crack I heard? Oh, the mug's trying to get fresh, so I let him have it. Angeles is horrified the following morning to learn of the brutal and needless shooting of Cora Whittington and Crombie Allen. Public sympathy wells up as Miss Whittington's life hangs in the balance. The Los Angeles Police Department goes into action. Chief Davis orders his first police blockade throughout the city in an attempt to capture the car used for the bandits. More than 300 patrolmen are deployed to strategically locate an intersection, where from 7 o'clock in the evening until 1 a.m., every passing automobile is scrutinized. Its license plates checked, its occupants interrogated.
Hello, Lieutenant. Anything happened yet? Not a thing. Where's the Chevy? In the filling station at the right-hand corner down there. You can just see the hood of it by the grease rack there. Oh, yeah. Did you talk to the station attendant? Yeah. What did he say? Said the car belonged to a blonde. Well, that's it's okay. Said she left it to have the battery charged and she'd be back for it any time. And she probably won't. It's a thousand to one that car is abandoned for good. But I'll play the long chance that she's coming back for it. It's worth trying. Right. Now, you boys better get out of here and stay away from this corner. We'll hold the stakes from now on. Okay. I'll right. tell the boys to relieve you to stay away out of this neighborhood and tell them to tell the boys to relieve them. Right. Good night. Uh, all right. Well, let's see where we better hide. We can't stand out here on the sidewalk all night. Say, Andy, look. Right next to that filling station is a garage, see? Hmm. We could get in there. Hey, that's a swell idea. Come on. Don't look like there's anybody home. Yes, there is. There's a light in the back. Yeah, this will be a great spot. Those hedges hide everything. We can see right through them. Yes? We're from police headquarters. Well, what's the matter? Is there some trouble? No, nothing's wrong, but we're looking for a car thief. A car thief, is it? Western horse thieves, they've got to be. Well, what do you want with me? I ain't no car thief. Oh, we know that. We'd like to hide in your garage. One of the cars this man stole is parked in the filling station next door, and we want to watch it through your hedge and try to pick up the crook when he comes back for it. I see. Well, I can't think of no reason why you shouldn't hide in the garage. Well, that's fine. Uh, Look here. You, uh, You got a car with you? Why, yes. Well, I'll take my car out of the garage and you can park yours in there. That's well. I'll park mine on the street. (laughs) That is, if you don't give me no ticket. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry about that. Midnight, the hidden detectives watch the filling station. The attendant closes up and goes home. The stream of traffic dwindles as the city goes to sleep. Still, the guardians of the law keep their watch. Well, it doesn't look like they're coming for this crate tonight. Maybe not. And again, maybe they will. If the girl comes back alone, we will have to follow her. You realize that? Sure, we can't let the guy get away. Well, I've been thinking maybe we'd better get a couple more men in case we have to surround their hideout. Yeah, not a bad idea. I'll call in for a relief so we can get some dinner. And I think it'd be a good plan to change clothes. Got any dirty old pants at home you'll use when you grease your car? Yeah, I think so. Well, you'd better get them. Detectives Maxwell and Bergeron relieve Burris and Anderson. As dawn throws her roses spread over the waking city, they return, clad in old clothes, disguised as mechanics. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the idea of the glad rag? They don't want to wake up the neighborhood. Hey, what is this, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson? Don't be funny. If that girl comes back for the car, I'm getting a good look at her. And these greasy clothes won't arouse suspicion. Anything happen while we were away? No, not a thing. Quiet as a graveyard. Well, 
We ought to get some action soon. The boy's opening up at the filling station. It's the day shift man. Maybe he'd know something more about the car. Hmm, matter of fact. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, hello. How are you this morning? Well, <laughs> I declare I never would have recognized you with them duds on. You ready for some right first sleuthing, ain't you? Maybe. Say, look here, do you want to help us? Anything I could do, I'd be glad to. Good. You know that bird in the filling station? Bob, sure I know it. Well, mosey down there and find out what you can about this car here. Ask him who left it and what they said, will you? Yes, indeed. I'll be glad to. But don't let on about us. Oh, no, don't worry about that. I got better sense than that. Here he comes back. Took him long enough to find out anything. Uh, he's a great old character. Probably had to settle the international debt situation while he was at it. Well, it's people like him that are a big help sometimes. Yeah, that's right. Well, Dad, what'd you find out? Well, not very much. It seems that this blonde girl left the car to have the battery charged. That was two days ago, and she ain't been for it since. Bob says she lives up on Coronado somewhere, and that she's got two other cars, a, a Ford and a Essex. Ooh, two others, eh? Well, is there anything else I can do for you? No, I don't think so. The missus is getting some breakfast. I might be able to get her to warm up some coffee for you. Well, that'd be all right. I could do with a little coffee. the long, hot morning, the four detectives remain on watch. Then at three in the afternoon, just as they're beginning to feel that their vigil is in vain, a blonde girl arrives at the filling station. Peggy. There she is. Who? The blonde. Yeah, that's her. She's gone over to the Chevrolet. Well, we'll have to follow her and get the guy, too. Well, I'm going to get a good look. Unsteadily, apparently a drunken hobo. Burris, clad in his greasy old clothes, wanders down Third Street past the filling station. As the blonde girl fills her tank with gas and chats with the station attendant, Burris has plenty of time to look her over and check her appearance against the description given by the many hold-up victims. As she pulls out of the filling station, Bergeron and Maxwell follow her in their car. Burris staggers up to Ron until he's out of sight and then breaks into a run. Joined by Anderson, he streaks between houses to Coronado. They watch as the blonde turns into an alley and parks the car in a garage behind an apartment house, where she is joined by a man in a blue sweater. Bergeron and Maxwell drive by them as they are locking the garage. After the two suspects have entered the apartment house, Bergeron and Maxwell join Burris and Anderson. That's the girl, all right. Yeah, that's the guy, too. He fits the description to a T. All right. Maxwell, you and Andy guard that alley entrance to the apartment. Come on, Bergeron. You and I are going to talk to the landlady. Yes? 
How do you do, ma'am? We're police officers, and we'd like you to help us. Why? Why, come in. Is anything wrong? What can I do? We're looking for a blonde who lives in this building. A blonde? <laughs> well, there are several blondes here. Who are they? Well, there's Miss Arnold. What's she look like? Uh, I wouldn't want her to go any further, for she is heavy. In fact, she's very fat. Yeah, that's not the one. Who else? Uh, then there's Mrs. Gilman. She's 40, she's a day, though she's twice to tell people she's only 32. No, no, that's not the one. And then, oh, yes, there's young Miss Adams. She hasn't been here long. Yeah, what's she like? Well, she's a child about 19 or maybe 20. Hmm. She's thin and pretty in a way. That's the one we're looking for. Uh, what apartment is she in? She's in 218. Now, look here, I don't want any trouble in my don't place. Don't worry, ma'am, there won't be any trouble. You just stay right here in your apartment. Burris and Bergeron called Anderson and Maxwell in from the alley. And the four, guns drawn, climb the stairs to apartment 218. They find the door unlocked. Jump her, grab her, Burris. Okay. And is that first guy down the hall? Hey, come back down, Simon. Where's police officers? Get them out. Get them up for what? What are they doing? Get them out. Well, just sit still until we find out what this is all about. I don't know what's the matter myself yet. We'll be as good to you as you let us. Uh, what are you, police officers? Yes, ma'am. We're police officers. Oh, mercy. I, I thought you were hold-up men. And just who are you? Uh, I'm Burma's mother. Well, boys, what happened? That guy in the blue sweater opened up on us, so we let him have it. Is, is he dead? I don't know. Where's the phone? Over there on the wall. Oh, by the way, 
Why did you hang on to that Chevrolet? Did you know we had the license number? Oh, I don't know. I wanted to get rid of it. But Jesus, I fell in love with it. I wanted to have a honey. Got a rattle in it. Oh, boy, what a pickup. Gee, it was a swell car. It was a kid driving it. Pardon me, boys. Ambulance just arrived. The guy's dead. <gasps> hey, Burris, let me get a statement from the girl, will you? What's your name, kid? Can I tell him, or do you want to? My name's Burma White from now on. Burma White? What do you mean? I married him on Friday. Hey, why didn't you bump her off, too? Look, she's all hopped up. She better get a say I'm through talking. Get out of here, you. But I gotta get a statement. Get out. Okay. The pig. I want you to sit with me. Oh, don't worry, kid. I will. Come on, we'll get you out of here. There's the kitchen door leading to the hall. Yeah. Well, maybe we'd better go out the front way. So, that's all, all right. I guess I can step over his body. to serve from 30 years to life on seven counts of first-degree robbery, one count of attempted robbery, and three counts of assault with deadly weapon with intent to commit murder. This series of crimes in which Burma White participated would never have entered a career of crime had the parole system been stringent enough to prevent desperados from having their freedom. It is my sincere hope that you, the citizens, will demand a proper parole system so that you and yours will not be in constant danger from the ruthless viciousness of men of the stripe of Tom White. Thank you, Chief Davis. Ladies and gentlemen, you are almost certain to see a Rio Grande service station tomorrow, and we hope you'll drive in to ask for a free copy of the Calling All Cars News. To read about the free gifts for your boys and girls, or to fill up with Rio Grande cracks, the gasoline that gives you so much more and costs you no more. And remember, more police cars, fire engines, and other emergency equipment are powered by Rio Grande cracks wherever it is sold than any other gasoline. And if you'll take the advice of America's most expert oil buyers, you'll take your car into a Rio Grande station every time you need oil. Sinclair motor oils are featured at all Rio Grande stations. The same Sinclair oils that are specified by 150 leading railroads and by the leading airplane lines. Sinclair oils are de-waxed and de-jellied so that all the useless filler you get in other oils is removed. And you get more real lubrication for your money than ever before.
Frederick Lindsley bidding you good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company. <laughs> <laughs>